The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The October 4, 2022 edition is brought to you by Harvest and Slaughter, a collaboration of local butchers and chefs. They invite you to partake in A Study in Beef, a Carnivore's Solution, a workshop on beef butchery accompanied by a four-course tasting menu held at Inn at Ship Bay. Guests will learn how to butcher a four-quarter of beef to be used in a curated meal to follow. Guests will each get a thank-you bag of vacuum-sealed meat for their home freezers. The event is on Wednesday, October 12th, from 4 to 7 p.m. To purchase tickets, which are extremely limited, visit www.eventbrite.com and search for A Study in Beef, A Carnivore's Solution. And now, the local headlines. I'm Caleb Summers. Newly selected Fire Board Commissioner resigns. Former Islander Katie Stewart headed up Global Diving's salvage team. State Ferries says, Welcome aboard for free to youth. Plus, choice excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. From the Island's Sounder, newly selected Fire Board Commissioner resigns by Diane Craig. It may have been the shortest tenure on any board or commission on the island. On September 19th, the first order of business during the monthly meeting of the Orcas Island Board of Fire Commissioners was to approve the appointment of Rex Chadwell and swear him in as District No. 2 Commissioner. The vote was unanimous. Eight days later, on September 27th, the Commission's secretary received Chadwell's letter of resignation. A letter dated three days earlier, September 24th, five days after his swearing-in. The letter's content has not been made public. The September 19th meeting did not treat the new commissioner's appointment kindly. During the public comment section that followed his installment on the board, six islanders, including a volunteer with the department, expressed their disappointment with the board's decision to appoint Chadwell. Those who offered public comment addressed the statements Chadwell had posted on various social media, suggesting he held ideas hostile to the LGBTQ community. Many who spoke at the meeting said they felt unsafe knowing a person holding such biased beliefs would be involved with creating department policy. Several who addressed the meeting also expressed disappointment with the commission's leadership in making the appointment. Board Chair Tim Fuller was not too surprised by Chadwell's resignation. He was taken aback and shocked by the comments expressed at the September 19th meeting, Fuller said. Serving in the public sector is quite a bit different than serving in the corporate world. In the end, we mutually agreed his appointment wasn't a good fit. Fuller admits he doesn't follow social media and was unaware of Chadwell's positions on current issues. He did raise the question, however, of whether or not future candidates for boards and commissions will have their intent to serve subjected to a review of their social media profiles. Chadwell was the only applicant to fill the District No. 2 commission seat vacated by Patrick Shepler, who recently resigned and moved off-island. It's no secret that private sector employers review an applicant's social media presence prior to offering employment. 
According to the website www.careerservicestation.com, employers have found it a useful tool for screening clients. If your social media presence portrays an unprofessional image, potential employers may throw out your application, the site warns. Fuller wondered whether using comments and positions expressed on social media should contribute to determining if someone is qualified to serve. He said it also raises the question of who makes the final decision and admits it may deter some good people with desirable skills from applying. He explained the board focused on the financial expertise Chadwell brought to the table, a skill set they are now looking to replace, and that they didn't look too far beyond conversations they had with a few members of the community who know the applicant. We're interested in hearing what the community has to say about the role social media plays in future appointments, Fuller said. The discussion on our board has already started. Chadwell's resignation leaves open a seat that will expire on December 2023, when four of the board's five seats will be up for re-election. Islanders interested in applying for the recently vacated position are asked to submit a letter of intent, a resume, and references. The next meeting of the Orcas Island Board of Fire Commissioners is scheduled for October 17th at 1 p.m. and will be conducted via Zoom. For more information or to be added to the meeting notification list, email bofc at orcas-fire.org. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, former islander Katie Stewart headed up Global Diving's salvage team by Heather Spaulding. One of San Juan Islands' own, Katie Stewart, was a key player organizing global diving and salvages efforts to lift the Aleutian Isle, a commercial fishing boat that sank August 13th off Sunset Point. I got the call when it happened and came up the following day, Stewart said. Inspired by a trip in high school where she served as a filmmaker for a science trip to Honduras, my art teacher, Pat Spears, encouraged me to go, she said. Stewart majored in filmmaking at a California university after graduation from Friday Harbor High. She met her husband there and dropped out of college, opting to spend time with him and sailing. I've always been around boats and love the ocean. Water is kind of my thing, she said. Stewart has entered the race to Alaska five times, finishing four of those. The fifth time, I kind of ate it, she laughed. Eventually, she felt guilty for not finishing school, so she went back to Evergreen State University in Olympia, where she received her environmental science degree. Combining that love of the ocean with her degree, she now works as a salvage officer at Global, which is based out of Seattle. A majority of the work comes from the U.S. Coast Guard, as with the recovery of the Aleutian Isle. One of the biggest challenges she faced had nothing to do with the actual recovery. It was finding housing for her crew. For the first four nights, two crew members had to sleep in the dive chamber, while another slept in a makeshift hammock strung across the back of the tug. The ferries, of course, also posed issues, and they cooked on the boat, not wanting to have 15 people eating at Roche Harbor every night. The big tug was really like a floating hotel, Stuart laughed. 
Stuart loved working with the many islanders who took part, from the Pintail, the Chevaliers, and Brendan Cohen with the San Juan County Department of Emergency Management. For how hard the logistics can be, it went incredibly well, she said, adding that being able to use those local resources was a huge help. Aneda also stepped in, assisting with traffic control and security. It turned into a joint drill. It was textbook for how everyone should be working together. They began the dives as the boat rested at 150 feet below the surface. As the vessel slid deeper than 200 feet, Stewart had to reassess her plans. Gas diving isn't as common, Stewart explained. Gas diving refers to the mixture of air needed to go beyond 150 feet, consisting of a mixture of 14% oxygen and the rest helium. There is a lower ratio of oxygen to reduce the risk of getting oxygen toxicity during deep dives. Plan B began, and Stewart rebuilt her dive team with a crew of eight skilled gas divers. Each diver took 10 minutes to get to the bottom, 40 minutes of time working on the bottom, one and a half hours in the diving bell ascending to the surface with multiple stops, then spent two hours in the decompression chamber. For additional safety, the diver would then stick nearby the chamber for another hour in case problems developed. Stewart herself is not a commercial diver. She was certified on San Juan Island while in high school. Commercial diving never crossed my mind, Stewart said, adding that diving is incredibly hard on the body, and it isn't usually the kind of thing a person gets into when they are older. As the boat made its way to the surface, the crew was not whooping and hollering. Weight and safety issues became apparent right away. There was a lot of tension, she explained. The thing weighed over double what all of the engineers said it should, so it was more like a slow-motion letdown as we maxed out our safe working load. The teams regrouped to design Plan C which included bringing the tug with the Aleutian Isle at its side to Mitchell Bay to drain the water and default the vessel. September 22nd, over a month after the boat sank, the Aleutian Isle was barged away. Everyone is relieved now, Stewart said. Stewart flew back to her home, husband, and two kids in Savannah, Georgia, just as Hurricane Ian made land. We dodged a bullet, she assured the journal later. It looks like the worst of it is east of us. Her next job entails cleanup operations after that monster storm. From the Islands Weekly, State Ferries says, Welcome aboard for free to youth. Some say the best things in life are free. If you're age 18 or younger, that will soon include a ride aboard Washington State Ferries. Starting Saturday, October 1st, youth will board for free as a result of this year's Move Ahead Washington transportation package. The law directs transit agencies to provide free fares for passengers 18 and under across the state. The legislation only applies to youth riding as a passenger in a vehicle and those walking onto a state ferry. It does not include teenagers behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. Drivers under 19 years old will continue to pay the adult vehicle and driver fare. 
Because of this change, youth tickets are no longer available at self-serve kiosks and online. However, youth walking onto a ferry will still need a ticket or valid ORCA card to board at terminals where one is currently needed. Terminal employees at the ticket booth can issue the free fare youth tickets, which will be valid for two hours. From the San Juan County News, County Crime Briefs, by Ron Krebs, San Juan County Sheriff. Suspect on the Run On September 29th at 8.30 p.m., Sheriff's deputies responded to a residence on Harborview Lane of Orcas Island for a report of a burglary in progress. The deputy arrived and confronted a white male exiting the garage, later identified as Matthew Huffstott of Orcas Island. Huffstott brandished a knife he had on his person and then began walking away. A foot pursuit ensued, where Huffstott ran into the woods. The deputy stopped pursuing the suspect and set up a perimeter, while other Orcas Island deputies responded to the area. After an exhaustive search of the area, the search was called off. The sheriff's office is asking for help locating Huffstock. If you see him or know where he is located, call 360-378-4151 or 911. Drug Bust After Traffic Stop On September 24th, Deputy Norton of San Juan Island made a routine traffic stop on a Chrysler Aspen for a burned-out brake light expired registration over two months, and failing to transfer a vehicle title after sale. The driver was identified as Troy Kirk, formerly of San Juan Island. A search of driver records showed Kirk was driving on a suspended license. He was also found to have an outstanding arrest warrant out of Skagit County and was taken into custody. During a search incident to arrest Kirk, a single blue pill marked M30 was located in his pocket. M30 is the drug manufacturer's mark for oxycodone. However, it is commonly a counterfeit pill for fentanyl. Through further investigation, it was believed there were more pills inside the vehicle. The car was impounded and towed to the sheriff's office. After obtaining a search warrant, more than 600 pills and paraphernalia consistent with distribution were found in the vehicle. Kirk was booked into the San Juan County Jail for his warrant. Charges for possession with the intent to deliver a controlled substance were filed with the San Juan County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. Mail Thieves Still on Run On September 27th, at approximately 11.45 a.m., a Lopez resident reported to the sheriff's office they had seen a report on Facebook of a vehicle associated with stealing mail and that they observed a vehicle they thought matched the description. Around 1.30 p.m., the vehicle with two male occupants was seen on Ferry Road and eluded the sheriff's deputy when he attempted to stop the vehicle. During the brief attempt at a stop, the occupants began throwing parcels out the window of the fleeing vehicle. A short time later, one of the occupants was located at the Lopez Island ferry landing and taken into custody. The sheriff's office is currently attempting to locate the vehicle and the second occupant. 
The vehicle is identified as a mid-2000s silver Cadillac sedan with license plate number D40007A, being driven by a white male with short blonde hair. If you see this vehicle, call 911. Do not make contact. Last-minute update. The vehicle from yesterday's mail theft incident has been recovered on Lopez Island. The driver has also been arrested in Skagit County without incident. The investigation continues. Orcus Man Charged with Assaulting a Police Officer by Colleen Smith-Summers Brett Isaac Hickman, 42, has been charged in San Juan County Superior Court with one count of assault in the third degree against a law enforcement officer. On September 1st, Hickman was in custody at the San Juan County Jail when he was moved from his cell for a court appearance. Hickman was agitated and would not put on his orange jumpsuit. He allegedly punched a corrections deputy who was trying to calm him down in the shoulder. Undersheriff Zach Reimer was also in attendance, and when he advanced toward Hickman, the inmate allegedly punched the deputy again, this time in the face. Reimer and another deputy were able to detain and place handcuffs on Hickman. He was then transferred to a safety cell. On September 12th, Judge Catherine Loring approved a mental health evaluation of the defendant filed by public defender Alex Fricks. According to the court documents, Hickman has been previously diagnosed with a mental health condition, was found not guilty by reason of insanity in previous cases, and received treatment at Western State Hospital for several years. According to court documents, an evaluation will be done in the San Juan County Jail by a qualified expert who shall be approved by the prosecuting attorney and who is designated by the Secretary of the Department of Social and Health Services. On September 19th, during an arraignment hearing, Hickman was remanded to the custody of the San Juan County Sheriff, and his bail was set at $5,000. A review hearing is scheduled for October 3rd. Per the police report, Hickman is homeless and resides in East Sound. His criminal history in San Juan County includes assault, obstruction of a law enforcement officer, and possession of a dangerous weapon. In Boulder and Durango, Colorado, his previous convictions are multiple counts of trespassing and harassment, assault, and disorderly conduct, fighting in public. And now, more crime from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On September 21st, an Orcus deputy investigated what appeared to be a crossbow arrow in the yard of a citizen. No crime appeared to have been committed. A San Juan deputy responded to a structure fire. While on the scene, the deputy was advised of a domestic incident occurring elsewhere on the property resulting in the arrest of one person on an out-of-county warrant, who was booked into jail pending transportation. A deputy on San Juan responded to the reported theft of a beach chair from a local business. There are, however, no suspect information or workable leads. A Lopez deputy took a report of a mysterious high-pitched nocturnal squeal. The source of the squeal was believed to be an alarm or cooling system. On September 22nd, 
an Orcas deputy authored an incident report for a person who was dumping personal trash in a county trash can at the Village Green. A deputy on San Juan responded to a citizen assist involving an elderly person who had lost their way home. With the assistance of EMS, the person's address was determined and they were returned home safely. A deputy stopped a driver on San Juan for speeding, 85 miles per hour in a 35-mile-per-hour zone, and noticed two small children in the vehicle. The driver was issued a criminal citation for two counts of reckless endangerment, a citation for speeding, and a citation for not having insurance. On September 23rd, on San Juan, a deputy stopped the driver of a vehicle for failing to transfer the title. The driver was arrested for driving with a suspended license third degree and on out-of-county warrants. The vehicle was impounded and a search warrant was executed the following day. A large quantity of suspected fentanyl was located. On September 24th, Lopez deputies were advised of an ongoing mechanical noise emanating from a village grocery store. A deputy had previously contacted the store manager, who has been working to diagnose and fix the issue. On September 25th, a deputy on San Juan responded to a two-vehicle collision. The investigation found the at-fault driver was following a vehicle in front of them too closely a vehicle that had to stop for a trailer. The at-fault driver was issued citations for not having insurance or a driver's license on their person. A deputy on San Juan responded to a report of a hit-and-run. The reporting party did not want the incident investigated, but wanted to tell the sheriff's office to do their job. The reporting party did, however, want the suspect written up for not having insurance. On San Juan, a deputy responded to a report of someone being followed by another vehicle. The reporting party stated they thought they had eventually lost them and an air tag kept pinging their phone. A license plate number was not obtained, but a description of the vehicle was. On September 26th, a deputy on Orcas responded to a vehicle theft call near Dobey. The vehicle was located at the ferry landing and returned to the owner. The case is ongoing. On September 27th, a deputy was contacted about the theft of fencing from the owner's property on San Juan. There is no suspect information at this time. This concludes the October 5th, 2022 edition of the Island Digest. This week's Digest is brought to you by Harvest and Slaughter, a collaboration of local butchers and chefs. They invite you to partake in a study in beef, a carnivore's solution, a workshop on beef butchery accompanied by a four-course tasting menu held at Inn at Ship Bay, Guests will learn how to butcher a four-quarter of beef to be used in a curated meal to follow. Guests will each get a thank-you bag of vacuum-sealed meat for their home freezers. The event is on Wednesday, October 12th, from 4 to 7 p.m. To purchase tickets, which are extremely limited, visit www.eventbrite.com and search for 
A Study in Beef, A Carnivore's Solution Thank you for listening to the Island Digest, a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week for more news from San Juan County.